Well, I don't know about you, but um, I could barely sleep Christmas Eve. Anybody else struggle sleeping on Christmas Eve? Uh, just with the great anticipation of the next morning's activity. Uh, you know, I was doing that thing where I would uh, wake up. Oh, is it time? You know, and I check my watch. Oh, no, got a few more hours. Oh, is it time? Nope, got a few more hours. Uh, and then finally, 7.22 arrived. The launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. Anybody else? Super excited to wake up early Christmas morning to watch a new, no? Am I the only space nerd here this morning? Oh, you thought Christmas gifts, yes, there was also that, but that came later. Thank you, David. I was not the only one, Joel, thank you. Uh, we were excited, right? A new space telescope was launched Christmas morning. $10 billion went into constructing this thing. It's gonna sit over a million miles from Earth, just beyond the moon, and they think we're gonna capture images of the universe, discover things that we've never seen before. Right, and this really exemplifies our obsession with staring up into the sky, right? Maybe some of you have had that, that memory. You can kind of go back to being at summer camp with your best friend and just staring up at the night sky and dreaming about the future. Right? We kind of have this obsession with staring and wondering what, what is out there? What is our purpose? For whatever reason, there's just this natural inclination to, to look up to do that. That's one of my favorite pieces of the Christmas account, the star, right? That God chooses to announce the birth of Jesus Christ with a new star. I don't know, there's just something so elegant about that. And I've often thought about the wise men and their journey, what would have taken maybe about three years from the time they, they noticed the new star to deciding they wanted to go find this king to actually going and meeting baby Jesus. You imagine the anticipation growing as they embarked on that journey? Right, that's what we're really talking about, right, is anticipation, that feeling of, of longing and looking that builds in each and every one of us. Just like the scientist who celebrated getting the, the telescope into space and they probably can't wait. The first images are supposed to come in, in six months. Or like the kids on Christmas morning who are Ugh, I wanna open all of them. Why are we taking turns? Why do I have to be the oldest? Our family, we always go in rounds, youngest, oldest. Right, there's anticipation built up in Christmas longing, my hope this morning is to further build on this anticipation around Christmas and specifically an anticipation for that final Christmas. Today we have found ourselves in another passage with a group of people looking up to the sky, looking into the sky with anticipation, right? And you can imagine, put yourself in the shoes of this group that have walked with Jesus for over three years now, right? They're, 
recalling when he called them to himself. They're remembering all of the times they have walked alongside of him and and heard him explain things or or been present as as he's preached to a, a multitude. They've also been able to witness him perform incredible miracles to demonstrate his authority over the universe. They'd also watched him die a horrific death and be buried in the ground. They had also run in fear. And then 40 days prior to the the passage we find ourselves in here this morning, Acts 1, 6 through 11, Jesus rose from the dead. This incredible, miraculous moment. He demonstrated that he has victory over death and sin. Right? They're recalling all of this as they're, as they're staring up, watching him ascend into heaven. They're remembering that moment just 40 days prior that he walked through the door. He walked into that upper room where they had been hiding and shivering and fearing for their lives. And then, what? You're here? They're recalling when he shows that it it is him indeed. He's alive. They can touch him. They, They eat with him, share a meal with him. And as they look up, they're probably recalling all that he has taught them these past 40 days. What an intense 40 days that must have been. Talk about hanging on to every word that he must have spoken. I'd love to sit in on those Bible studies with Jesus, right? A resurrected Jesus, everything's starting to click and make sense to the disciples. And imagine, you know, maybe he starts off with Genesis 3. He's like, I'm that offspring of the woman. I just crushed the head of the serpent. Right, maybe he steps in to 2 Samuel 5 and 17, that, that covenant with David. And he says, that's me. I'm the heir of David. And I'm gonna go up and sit back down on that throne. Or maybe he comes to Isaiah 53 And he says, I'm that suffering servant. I was pierced for your transgressions. Could you imagine those 40 days? Walking, sitting, eating, talking with Jesus. And it all just clicking like, ah, it makes sense now. Christmas makes sense now. He came for me, that I may know him. But Jesus doesn't stop right there. What does he do? He actually goes a a little bit step further. He says, yes, but there's one more piece to this. And he calls them to make witness that he is alive 
to bear witness, to testify to the facts about him. To bear witness to all that they have seen and all that they have learned. Right? He, he says it to them as soon as he walks in the upper room in Luke 24. And he says it right before he ascends here in Acts 1.8. Be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. This is what he calls them to. And then what does he do? He ascends into heaven. And he sits back down in his throne at the right hand of God the Father to continue his ministry. He continues to advocate for us. And he waits for the Father to send him back down to bring all those who believe in him back to him forever. And we await this return. We await for him to come back and make everything whole. Right? Awaiting that final Christmas, it builds anticipation. Makes us want to look up and long for the day that Jesus comes back. But ultimately, awaiting the final Christmas should build an anticipation for more to witness Jesus Christ. It should grow a longing that more may witness who Jesus is. A longing that more may witness what he has done for us. A longing that more may walk with Jesus. We're waiting, we're waiting for his second coming. This coming is really at the essence of the gospel, is it not? That is what we stop and celebrate at Christmas. The fact that, that God said, you know what? You have sinned and walked away from me but you know what? Instead of me creating a long list of rules or things you must do to earn your way back to me, like every religion of the world tries to say, no, no, instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down to you. Right? Jesus comes to us. Right? He came at Christmas. He came out of the grave. He came and met the disciples in the upper room. Yes, he's in heaven, but we know he will come again. And the essence of the gospel is to, to personalize that and to realize that he came so that I may know him, that I may be restored to my creator no matter what I have done to walk away from him. And that I've had an anticipation, a, a longing to, to know my creator for a long time. 
and I've filled it with gifts of this world or activities of this world, but nothing can fully fill that longing except for Jesus, for Jesus Christ. And that is why we are awaiting the final Christmas so that more may know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Awaiting the final Christmas builds anticipation, right? And, and this ascension, this moment of Jesus going up into heaven, I heard one commentator put it, that this confirms Jesus is now enthroned as the, the heavenly Messiah, right? Guaranteeing that he will remain sovereign over life and the witness to people. Right, these, these final moments, we just see Jesus demonstrating his authority as who he is as savior of the world and creator of the universe, that he is who he says he is. So I want to encourage you here this morning. It's good to long for Jesus. It's good. We were created for it. For those of you who don't know Jesus as your savior, I would encourage you to long for him as your savior, to turn to him to save you from the sins that have separated you from him. Stop filling it with other things. For those of you who know Jesus, have walked with him, and you just continually feel beaten down Christmas by Christmas by Christmas, and you feel the, the burden of the world, it's good to long for Jesus. It's good to long for the day where he will make all things whole. It brings hope. But there's, there's light at the end of this, this dark tunnel. But you know what? That doesn't mean we can just sit around and wait. We can't just sit around, just staring up at the sky. Coming back now? How about now? Now? We've got work to do. The gospel isn't just good news to be known. It is good news that must be proclaimed. That must be proclaimed. Awaiting the final Christmas should build anticipation for more to witness Jesus Christ. This is why, at the end of the passage, two angels come and they prod the group along a little bit. What are you, what are you waiting around here for? He's coming back, don't worry. It's time to get to work. And you notice this, right? Even in how the author of Acts, Luke, carries on with the narrative, right? There's not some long dwelling here on the ascension. There's not great description on, you know, what type of cloud coverage there might have been that day or not. No, he went up, he's coming back, 
let's get to work. Right, and he carries on with that for the remainder of the book of Acts. The entire book of Acts, and we know this, we've just studied it recently, church, follows the example laid out, the strategy that Christ gave the disciples in Acts 1.8. It begins there in Jerusalem, we see the church growing, right, and then persecution comes, gets harder, so what do they do? Do they run back into the upper room? Do they look, oh, what's going on? Are they staring up at the sky? Uh, is this, this would be a good time, come on back. Now what do they do? They get to work. They go. And we see this good news, the love and grace of Jesus Christ spread to Judea and Samaria. We see new churches established. And from those churches, the gospel goes forward more and more to the end of the earth. And, and just in case you were wondering, because sometimes we think this, that this idea of, of God wanting himself to be known by all people, we, we sometimes think that this is new, that it appears after Acts 1.8. But you remember this is, this is laced all throughout Scripture Genesis 12, when he comes and makes the covenant with Abraham, what does he say? And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Not just this country, not just this area of the world, all families of the earth. Right, even the Psalms sing of this. Psalm 67 says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let the peoples praise you. It can't be contained. Everybody must know. Isaiah says, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. What a declaration. The gospel cannot be contained just within our own hearts. It must spread to all peoples. You see this in Jesus' own ministry, right? He goes to the centurion, the Roman centurion, and shares faith with his, the, the oppressor of the Israelites. He goes to the Samaritans and, and, and talks to a woman She's a, a double outcast in this society, but he goes to her and she knows him as savior. Right? He does this with the, the leper, with the Canaanite woman. Jesus must be known by all peoples. That's what we're waiting for. It's for that good news to spread. This is why his final remarks, his final teachings or go, tell people about me. And we call these the, the Great Commission, right? In Matthew 28, like Mark 16, 15 says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The whole creation. The longer we wait and anticipate 
that final Christmas. He's coming back, all right? He's going to make everything whole. But until then, anticipation grows that more may know Jesus as their Savior. So let's zero in here. Acts 1, 8, this command, and you will be my witnesses. I want to encourage you, be Christ's witness. Be Christ's witness. This idea of bearing witness or testifying to who Jesus is is a, is a common theme through the rest of the book. It's going to be used 29 times, right? Did your mom ever say something to you over and over and over and over and over, maybe 29 times? By the end of it, you go, I think that's important. I, I should probably, you know, pick up my shoes maybe. If God repeats something 29 times, I think he wants us to pick up on something. We have work to do. We are to bear witness to who Jesus is and what he has done. What we see here in the book of Acts is the spread of the gospel is really this overflow of this group's love for Jesus. Right? It starts with, with the disciples and maybe about a, a hundred others who have followed along, more or less. And, and that's the beginning. And, and we can just like zoom forward over 2,000 years, and we see us here gathered this morning. How did that happen? It all started with a group consumed with their love for their Savior. And they said, you know what? I can't keep this to myself. I have to bear witness. I always think of it like the kid at Christmas who all throughout the year, the rule in the house is no soda, okay, or pop. Can't drink anything, can't drink any soda. And then Christmas comes, we're over at grandma's house and there's two liters of Pepsi up on the counter. And you know, and he looks over at mom He's like, can I? And she says, yes. Do you think that kid is just gonna take his you know, plastic red cup, just put a little bit of Pepsi in it? Oh, I'm good. No, 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 no. What is he doing? He is filling that cup all the way to the brim. He ain't messing around with ice, okay? He's maximizing the volume of that cup all the way to the top, and then what does he do? He goes running into the other room with excitement, spilling half of it all over the, the, the carpet, right? That is bearing witness to Christ. So filled up with excitement that as we run around in our lives, we can't help but our love for Jesus to just spill out and people to know him. Right, this is why Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. If you know me, if you love me, you will be my witnesses. And what does he say? He says, be begin here. Begin right here in Jerusalem. It all begins right where God has you. A lot of times we overthink this. You see a guy like me, 
uprooting his family to go to a foreign country, and you think, that's what being a witness looks like. Honestly, I'll tell you, it's a lot easier often to go be a witness in another country because it's smacking you in the face constantly. I don't belong here. Uh, Why am I here again? Oh, that's right, to be a witness. And here, when we're in the comforts of our own everyday life, around people we're used to being around, it doesn't hit us, right? We think we belong here. We forget that we're, uh, we're, we're waiting on Jesus. And until that time, we've got a job to do. That's why Jesus calls to his disciples and he says, begin here in Jerusalem. If you can't do it here amongst the people that have known you, then you won't ever figure it out. And praise the Lord they did. So begin being Christ's witness right where he has you. Think of your family and friends. Have that list that you pray through longing that they will know, that they will bear witness to who Jesus is. Begin with your own geography, your neighbors. There's people all around you that you just kind of wave from the other side of the driveway. Are you praying for them? Are you bearing witness of who Christ is to them? Begin with your job, the place that God has placed you day in and day out. It's not just to make a paycheck. It's an opportunity Begin with your interest. Use the things that God has just given you a love for. Join a club, get involved, and use it as an opportunity to tell people there's there's some good news out there that that you need to know. And, And I just want to give this slight reminder. I hope you hear this. This be Christ's witness. You know what that means? That that means your primary goal isn't to see people get saved. I know that sounds weird, but your primary goal is to bring glory to God, to be obedient, right? If, If Jesus has called us to be a witness to him, then that means he is the one who has done the saving, Right? If it's the Holy Spirit who gives us power, then guess what? It's him who will win the soul. What do we get to do? We get to just bear witness. We get to be that kid running through Christmas with a full cup of Pepsi. Guess what Jesus did for me? Do you see the wounds that he has healed? You know, the brokenness that he has repaired? the loneliness that he has come to and comforted, the relationship that he has restored. Our job is to bear witness. I wanna unpack this a little bit further for you, just to show you just how accessible and and free this is. So I wanna give you four components to bearing witness. Okay, be Christ witness, and there are four components to that. I'm gonna continue with this be 
Uh, if you're a lover of Warren Wearsby's writings like me, you know the B series. So I'm going to give you some Bs, and I'm actually even going to end with a quote from Wearsby. So hang in there with me. I'm going to give you four Bs. First, be praying. Be praying. Prayer is that moment to stop and remember God is God and you are not. To turn to him and talk, to hand things off. Pray for the repentance and forgiveness of sins. For those names near and dear to your heart and the names that you don't even know how to pronounce. Pray for repentance and forgiveness of sins to all nations. This this is something we see all throughout the book of Acts. Believers stopping and praying. Turning to God. Turning to the work of the Holy Spirit and not their own. Pray. This is why it's it's become so beautiful, a a new rhythm that we're establishing here at Parkside, our, our Sunday evening prayer meetings. Be a part of the church and be at these prayer meetings. To hear the burdens on people's hearts, to hear who they are burdened for, to witness who Jesus Christ is. It's important for us to pray. It's important for us to pray as individuals, Right? It is the most accessible way to be a part of the spread of the gospel. Right? I, I've gone and, and visited with some of our older members who aren't able to come and be out and about as much as they used to. And it's always so encouraging. I, I hear an ongoing theme as, as I go and talk with them. I'm praying for you, Pastor. I'm praying that God will give me opportunities here to to share the gospel. I'm I'm praying for a friend or a family member who doesn't know Jesus. They haven't stopped bearing witness, even though everything in the world would say, take it easy. You've earned it. No, they're continuing to bear witness. If nothing else, they are whispering names into the ear of God, and he will hear them. So pray. Pray. Pray for missionaries and countries, for people who don't yet know the gospel. Pray for your neighbors. Pray that God will just open opportunities for you. Pray. Be praying. That's how you can be Christ's witness. Second way, be aware. Be aware. Right? We, we can't stick our head down in the sand, nor can we stick our heads up in the clouds. Right? Our gaze must be on heaven and earth both. Make yourself aware of what God is doing. An easy way to do that, if you're a member of Parkside Bible Church, come to our family meetings. I hope you don't see those as an opportunity of like, ooh, I can sleep in on Sunday. Come, I'll tell you, we've worked really hard to make those not just a business meeting, but really an opportunity to say, hey, let's, let's highlight what God is doing in and amongst our people, to hear testimony, right? I was so encouraged at our last meeting to hear Joyce and Pastor Scott share how God was using them through the, the, the community Christmas project. 
That's me being aware of how to be Christ's witness and teaches me opportunities that I can be a part of. Next time there's a family meeting, get up early, be ready. Maybe, and here's a little selfish plug, read missionaries' updates. We work hard on those. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little hard. All right, okay, is anybody reading this out there? And I'm telling you, I'm so encouraged when I get those emails back of going, hey, thanks for the update, I'm praying for you. I'll tell you, we as a church and me as an individual, we've learned so much about what it means to be Christ's witness, practical ideas just from getting updates from our supported missionaries. Maybe you ought to just share with your Sunday school class. Hey, here's this person in my life, neighbor, friend, coworker, family member, that I had the opportunity just to, to begin sharing the good news of who Jesus is. Will you pray with me about that person? And that awareness grows. And maybe you're not the one doing the sharing, but you hear that testimony. Okay, that didn't seem so hard for so-and-so. Yeah, I can, I can share this incredible news that God has given me. We help other Christians be aware because it encourages us as well to be aware of the opportunities that God has already laid out there right in front of us. So be aware. That's how you can be Christ's witness. Number three, be involved. Right? You thought I was gonna give you a pass. Oh, maybe I don't have to say anything to anybody. No. The good news is news. The word of God is words. They must be spoken. They must be spoken. Every Christian participates in the mission of Jesus. It's his final words to us, to be his witness. So take intentional steps to do that. Go on neighborhood walks to see who God's gonna bring along that sidewalk. Go shovel the driveway of someone. I heard a great idea from Donna a few years ago about baking a pie for your neighbors and putting it in a real nice pie pan. She put her name and phone number on the bottom. Just go, bless, and then boom, there's a, a relationship already starting to build. It's a nice pie pan, so then she has to go back. More opportunity to build a relationship to look for that chance to, to share who Jesus Christ is with them. We found a, a great opportunity with our neighbors at, at Christmas time, just going and, and sharing cookies or Christmas gifts or even just a little Christmas card, putting our phone number on there. Can you see how many times our neighbors have reached out to us later on in the year, hey, had something going on and I just remembered you gave us our phone number at Christmas. I knew you were somebody I could reach out to. We go, we help we love on them, we pray with them, and we share who Jesus Christ is with them. Right? Build relationships, have people over for dinner. I know, it's a strange thing to, to invite people into your house, right? Have company over, as we used to say. Have a game night. Use what God has given you. Celebrate things together. Have neighborhood parties or Super Bowl watch parties. I don't care what it is. And you know what? Use each other. 
use the church. Bring others along to be a part of that. Invite people to come to church. That's never going to be faux pas, all right? May not be as easy, but still okay to invite people to church. But ultimately, we come to the moment of sharing the truth of the gospel. In one way or another, we should all participate in the spread of the gospel. Jesus' final words to his disciples was a call to spread the good news. So good news must be spoken. We must find the opportunities to explain repentance and forgiveness of sins found in Jesus Christ, that our relationship with our creator can be restored. Lest we get all caught up in, okay, let me create a five-page plan on where I can get involved. Remember Jesus, simple, begin here. We often lose sight of the fact that the greatest needs lie along our everyday drive. Not somewhere else in the world, but right in front of you. So be involved. Get to work. Lastly, number four, to be Christ's witness, be bold. Be bold, everybody. Right As we wait for that final Christmas, as, as anticipation grows, just to be free from the pains of this sinful world, be bold in knowing that Jesus is coming again. That should embolden you. Be bold so that others may witness who Jesus is. Be bold because you know you have received a power from on high. What a powerful reminder, everyone. As much as this might at times feel intimidating as you're sitting at that table, sitting next to somebody that you've passed up multiple opportunities for them to know who Jesus is, and you're like, oh, I might just pass over this time. Be bold. You have received a power from on high. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. You just have to open your mouth. I promised you a, a quote from an old pastor down in Kentucky, Warren Wearsby. He said this, witnessing is not something that we do for the Lord. It is something that he does through us. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a great difference between a sales talk and a spirit-empowered witness. People do not come to Christ at the end of an argument. Be Christ's witness. Be his witness. Now, I wanna give you two cautions or two pitfalls that distract us from being Christ's witness. And we see them exemplified right here in the passage. Right, you look here, verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Right, is now the time for political uprising? Is now the moment where we can just legislate and, and take away all the pains of the world? Is this it? Jesus says, 
It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. How does he answer them? Go be my witnesses. Don't worry about it. The Father will take care of it. In other words, don't look down. Right? Often, we just kind of want to look down at the, only at the earth, and we're just like, oh, we just, Jesus needs to come back and fix all this. This is a mess. He's just got to fix all this. If this happens or that happens, this will all be fine. Right? And we just look down. We wring our hands. We just, want, we just want things to change here right now. This can all just be fixed right here, right now. This will all be fine. We're just looking down. That's what I love about Jesus here in this passage. It's, it's so soft. I think if they would have asked me that, and, and remind you, they asked this of Jesus a lot. A lot. All throughout the Gospels. He's about to go back into heaven. He's just raised from the dead. And they ask him it again? I'd be like, no, you idiots. How many times do I have to answer this for you? But that's not Jesus' response. It's gentle. It's calm. It's a redirect. That's not for us to worry about right now. We don't look down. We look around. We see all the people who don't know me yet. And you go bear witness to them. So beware of that. Caution that, that pitfall. Don't... don't Get your gaze stuck down. But also beware of the, the other side, right? Where they get caught looking up. They're just looking up. Oh, this will all be better when we're home. Please, Jesus, will you just come? And, and that's an okay sentiment. Both are all right sentiments. It's when our, our, our gaze is solely fixed on looking up. And all we can do is look up. Oh, I just want Jesus to come back. I just want Jesus to come back. Right, but we become so heavenly focused, we're no earthly good. Jesus' return doesn't revolve around guessing when he's gonna come back, but rather is focused on our obedience as a church bearing witness to who he is. So we don't look up waiting for his return we look around, waiting for his return. And I, I, I can empathize with the, with the disciples. After three years of being with Jesus, it makes sense. Right, okay, this, this should all happen now. Let's, let's just end this. Let's just move on. But what does he say? Uh, no, I've got a job for you to complete. It's time to get to work. Right, and I put myself in the disciples' shoes, and uh, a lot of times it reminds me of, you know, when we first brought Lewis home from the hospital, and it's like after, you know, months of anticipation, you go through the classes, and you're learning on what it means to take care of a baby, all of these different things, and then they just put the baby in the car, and then you, like, and then you're home. It's just, like, it was just Sarah and I, and this little kid who can't, you know, like, there's a soft spot on its head if I touch it the wrong way. Like, you know, and I'm like freaking out. What am I supposed to do? Is it this, this, that, that? Oh, what am I, somebody should come over, somebody should help. And then what, what happens? He starts crying. He poops his diaper. 
He gets hungry. And after a while, something just clicks as a parent, right? I can't be focused on all of these other things right now. I've got a job to get done. And it's sobering. <laughs> this little one's depending upon me. I better get it together. I better get to work. Right? And there are times in this broken world where we can just want to look down and wring our hands and what am I going to do? Oh, Lord, if you would just, just fix all of this. Or we get so focused looking up. It's like, oh, just come back, please. Please come back, Lord Jesus. And we look forward to that day. Don't get me wrong. Both. We want both. But that's not where we wait. We wait by looking around and realizing there's still work to be done until he comes back. There is a world out there in need of Jesus. So church, it's time to get to work. And Christmas is, is a, a wonderful time to remember just how much that work is needed. As much as we wanna sing the nice songs and watch the, the cute movies, Christmas has a dark way of reminding us of the brokenness of this world, right? Whether that's uh, making us wish the rest of the year was a little bit more cheery and bright, or it's a painful reminder of just how many people we have lost, or it shows us just how numb we've become to all the pain in this world, or it serves as some reminder that not all of us have a picture-perfect Instagram family? Yes. Yes, there is pain in this simple world, but our response can't be to look down too much or look up too much. We must look around and see all those who need to witness the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There just isn't time we're waiting for the final Christmas. Only the Father knows that exact time. So don't stick your head in the sand and don't stick your head in the clouds. Gaze both at heaven and earth and see all those around us who need us to be Christ's witness. Be praying, be aware, be involved, be bold. For we are awaiting the final Christmas. And that should build an anticipation for more to know Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to have a time of communion. This time of communion with the bread and the juice is just for those who know Jesus as their Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I would encourage you to just sit alone in the silence and witness who Jesus Christ is. May you come to know him in this moment. Reflect on all the ways you are running hard to your own things and the things of this world. If you do know Jesus, this is for you. And I hope that you will hold that bread and that juice in your hand as a, as a little witness, as a reminder of what Jesus has done for you 
that he gave everything that you may know him. May this reminder embolden you to be involved and to be aware, to be praying, to be Christ's witness. Let's pray together.